Welcome to the Adult Candy Podcast. I'm Miss Crystal, your host and idea slinger. What is Adult Candy about? Well, it's dedicated to cultivating creativity and sensuality in adults, which, let's be honest, is what we all want more of anyway. This exploration of mindful indulgence is in conversations with a very delicious mix of rebels, noted creatives, and sex-positive advocates of an imaginative variety. We dig into process and tools for facing fears and chasing dreams and keeping the magic in running the business of creative sexy cool. While this is absolutely going to be explicit with adult content and bursting with very sexy, the mission here is about embracing and accepting pleasure and desire, which is an internal process. And that is the foundation for any type of meaningful intimacy, passion, or sexual prowess. So buckle up or unbuckle, or buckle down, because in these very bizarro times, we absolutely can't go back. We go through. Okay, let's see here. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Okay, good. I love this volume level. And um, we're here, uh, Adult Candy. Thank you so much I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Um, I'm here with Maria of uh, the Shamanic Dolls. And uh, let's just get into, um, you know, uh, who you are, uh, you know, your practice, um, what the Shamanic Dolls is, how that kind of got started. And we're just going to go around the world in all of the conversation. We're going to have all the conversation. So let's just start there and we will just continue on. Thank you so much, Crystal. Um, it's really an honor to be able to speak on this topic. Um, I am known kind of as the Mercury doll in Shamanic Dolls, and that's because I channel a lot of the text. Mm. Um, and Shamanic Dolls was born of three women who actually went on a road trip <laughs> and came back to the Shamanic Dolls. <laughs> <laughs> And um, we were just, a lot of what brought us together has to do with the topic today, which is we explored a lot in a joking way, in a fun way, in a serious way, in a heartful way. What is the goddess and what is the Shakti and what are the forms that it takes? Mm. And one of the quotes from Shamanic Dolls is, my sex is my politics, my politics is my art, and my art is my magic. Mm. Um we also came up with, on that trip, Eat My Magic, which Melinda Carey, my collaborator, wrote an amazing song about. But we started really wanting to free the female archetype in all of its forms. Mm. Sexually speaking, politically speaking, two of us are delegates in Palestine. Mm. Um, you know, creatively speaking, Melinda is just prolific. And I actually come more from a healing arts background. Mm. So... Though I've done circus arts and performance arts for over three decades. Um, my master's degree is actually in somatic psychology and dance therapy. Wow. And then you're going to have to delve yeah. into what does somatic uh, psychology mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, I went to a Buddhist university here in Boulder called Naropa University, founded by um, Chogum Trumpa Rinpoche. And the psychology programs that arose from that school and that um, body of knowledge basically are founded on the fact that the mind and the body are one. Mm -hmm. 
So the unfolding of the mind, the emotions, and the, the body are a simultaneous symphony acting, you know. And I think really ultimately that speaks to just that our society is so much the opposite of that. That right. we're always trying to separate the mind, the body, the emotions. It's all containered. And right. I think that's really where why we have so little connection to sensuality to begin with. Right. It's so true. I think that it is a fragmented world that we live in. We have addictions like, you know, our phone, like mm -hmm. Facebook, like porn, like everything that pulls us out. They give us really quick, quick dopamine hit responses, mm -hmm. you know. But then we lose the power and the value, right, in actually what brings our body pleasure mm -hmm. and trusting our body to know what our pleasure is. Um, when we come from a contemplative perspective with the body, we recognize that we are always fluctuating in emotions. Mm -hmm. We are always fluctuating in our mental state. We are always fluctuating in our energy. And so is our sexual body. Yeah. We're always fluctuating in our desires. In our desires. Right. So what does it mean to come and make love to your partner today? It's going to be totally different today than it was yesterday mm -hmm. because that person feels differently the cosmology is different mm -hmm. the weather is different what happened to them last night makes them different everything makes them different and so we need to return to sort of the bedrock of sexuality as a tuning to one another mm. and touching the edges of the present emotional sexual state and following pleasure mm. following Pleasure. Following pleasure. <laughs> it's just so funny because it seems like, well, that's not revolutionary. And yet, it's absolutely revolutionary. When right. you think about our insanity, our, our toxicness around shame of feeling any type of pleasure and admitting to it. And then like, you know, right. and saying, oh, and then not only that, but it changes. Right. Unbelievable. Exactly. It's it's a tall over order and it's an exciting order, right? Because it's like, oh, that position that worked yesterday or that turn on that worked yesterday may not be the same today. In fact, it usually isn't. Right. Because well, we're and a also, state. yeah. And also, you you if you scratch that itch, right? You know, <laughs> exactly. Beautifully done. I, I did that. I did that yesterday. Let's do something else. Right. I want to work out these muscle groups. Right, you know? I, we don't want the same meal every day, right? Yeah. We can have an awesome ribeye. I love ribeye. But, like, if we have it every night, we don't want it. Right. You know, we don't want it. So what's the meal? What's the discovery, really, of the day? And I think discovery is a good word because that actually asks us to come with a question mm. of what's here now. What, you know, what feels good? What feels good? What's your turn on right now? Maybe it's slow and sensual. And maybe it is a quickie. Maybe you run home for lunch and you want a quick fuck, and that's great too. But what is it that this moment is asking for? Mm. You know, um, and the importance of uh, not creating habit. So this is definitely from the somatic psychology world that habit deadens us. Mm. We lose arousal. We lose awakeness in our system when it's always the same. You know, so if you're bored of sex, if you think that you're doing the same thing all the time, which is a common complaint, I would say stop, slow down, and re-enter the act in a very slow and inquisitive way mm. and do something different. 
sense your body's, sense your partner's arousal and let them sense your arousal mm. and let the dance be fresh and new and exciting. Yeah. I, um, and I, I spoke about this earlier with you before the official conversation, but I likened it to the toothbrush, right? <laughs> when you brush your teeth, it's all, it feels good every single time. You always feel great with like fresh, clean teeth. Right. And it's, and you don't have the expectation that somehow this particular, you should have these amazing experiences brushing your teeth, but you're like, you're, you're doing something that right. keeps you very present, that makes mm. you feel really good at the end of, you know, at the end of the brushing of the teeth mm. is a wonderful, delicious, fantastic feeling and you're grateful for it. And yes. that to me is the way that I like to perceive um, being present with uh, sexuality is that I don't have the expectation that every single time has to be unique and different and, you know, all of the bells have to go off, but that if I'm present enough in enjoying the experience and I enjoy the, the end result, which is that orgasm, right. you know, I've never been bored of an orgasm. Let's be honest. <laughs> I, you know, it is. That's the whole thing. Orgasm takes me out of my body. It feels amazing. And I'm always all like, damn, that was great. Okay. You know? It's a reset, right? Right. It's the reset. It's the reset. The, t the totality of your universe gets to be totally, you know, brought into play and then you get to see things totally different you yeah. know and I love what you're saying because there are a lot of couples who do um, go through sexual freeze mm -hmm. which is what we call that or they hit a sexual wall these are words that come into the office and they need to start approaching sexuality from a place of practice mm -hmm. so it's like oh you may not be turned on maybe you've formed a habit of um, feeling like this isn't working anymore you know what does it mean to slow down and, and enter it as a practice, which is what you're talking about, brushing your teeth. We're going to do this because it's good for us, because mm. pleasure is healing, because it reminds us of how good it is to be a human being, how good it is to be alive. Yeah. And pleasure is healing, inherently healing, and it reconnects us with nature. It reconnects us with our hearts. It reconnects us with relationship. Well, and divine design. You know, divine we are design. designed to have these delicious, amazing <laughs> connections with the greater whole. Right. It is by design that we're supposed to be doing that. Right. All of the other things that we do in the world are all maybes. Right. That is a definite. <laughs> right? Right. Get your priorities straight. <laughs> this is, the sexual energy is a core energy. Yes. It's a core energy. It involves your creativity. It involves your healing. It involves your connection to the mystery. It involves your connection to, to the, the other entities in, in life, the spiritual entities. And so when we avoid it, we are walking around without a full awakeness, without full consciousness. It's not as fulfilling. It's not as juicy. No, I, I you know, I'm always baffled by people who say, oh, not tonight, I have a headache, right? It's yeah. like, I have a headache tonight, definitely. You know, <laughs> there's nothing that takes my headache away faster than, like, right. having a really delicious, intimate sexual experience with someone right. and, you know, uh, orgasming my brain out. And I'm all like, oh, I feel great, actually. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to get a good night's sleep now. Thank you. I know. Why isn't this the answer to your headache? Right. And does it mean that your partner has to turn around and be ready right away? It's like, maybe that's when you start slow, you know? Maybe that's when you're like, okay, I'm going to rub your feet for, so, for some time. And that is going to actually 
bring arousal up. Anything that actually touches us on a deep level is arousing. Mm-hmm. Our erotic energy should be and could be running all the time. And nature is arousing. A wonderful heart connection with a friend is arousing. A beautiful meal is arousing. Fire is arousing. You know, so, but the question is, is are we letting that energy, right, come through the core, come and, and flow through us regularly? Are we yeah. allowing it? Are we recognizing it? Oh, wow. You know, I'm well, swollen right now. It. And not judging it. Right, because right. there's always the shame. That right. And that's really, that's the cultural institutions, right? Right. And it's not just American or European. It's, you know, I mean, most cultures around the world have right. a shame around like uh, feeling pleasure and being present with it. Let's be honest, and especially the women, right? So I come from an old world culture. And so the women owning their pleasure is was seen as shameful. You know, not as much anymore. Thank goodness they're coming a long way, but we still have a long way to go. And this is a tool of the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. You, know, Absolutely. you know, marriage as we've known it. Again, I have nothing against marriage. I think secure attachment and monogamy are a great way to explore intimacy. But again, many ways that we've inherited marriage are a tool of the patriarchy. They're a way of controlling the sexual act, controlling arousal. But the arousal actually, even in a monogamous situation or a non-monogamous situation, could be and should be flowing all day long. Right. But and because that that's when you are allowed to experience creativity. Right. Right? Is when it's you're the not... creative energy as well. Right? Yeah, exactly. Because to me, it's it really is the second chakra. Right. Right? It's sacral. You know, yes. we are, we have Beautiful. shut down the orange vibe right. across the board. Like right. there's no sexual, there's no sensual, there's no creative. You're not supposed to do any of those things. Right. You know, and it's just, and so to me, when we're, this conversation, adult candy, the whole concept of it is right. about um, reactivating what the, the power of the sacral is because mm-hmm. That's what feeds to your will. That's what yeah. feeds to your, like, I mean, you can't take it out. Right. And expect that you're going to have a balanced society or yourself in any way, shape, or form. It's, it's That's right. so fundamental. And yet we live in a constant state of denial of these things. I also want to take note that there is a lot of orange in your apartment. <laughs> I know quite a bit, right? I know. I, I'm not going to deny it. I'm like, I'm a very, very fire dominant person. Two thirds of my chart is in fire. I love it. And I, you make a really beautiful point, Crystal, because, um, <clears throat> you know, as artists, right, what is the, the, the sexuality takes on a, a whole other level of importance. And I just want to say, Chogum Trungpa used to say, an artist is an inspired person. Mm-hmm. So if you're not somebody with the media, please don't think I, I'm excluding you from this conversation. Um, an artist can be anyone, it, it can be about any approach to life. Right. Really. It's, it's the create, it's, it's feeling creative and expressing opportunity yeah. and feeling and emotion and thought and exploring. And if that's in science, if that's in, you know, I mean, right. math, if it's in, you know, um, horticulture, I mean, it, it's just, it's about the approach that you have is with an open mind. And that's really what makes an artist or a creative in any way, shape, or form, in my opinion. I'm right with you. In any way, shape, or form. And sexuality feeds all of those things, all of those openings, all of those interests. 
it's, you know, we again in the syndromes that we have in our society now have stopped going bottom up. Mm. We are a top down society. That's also, and that's also, by the way, um, an indication of whiteness, Mm. you know, in our culture and a lack of diversity Mm -hmm. that we have refused to go bottom up more. Mm. And so there's multiple levels of this syndrome. And the bottom up says, gosh, if I stimulate my womb, if I stimulate my pussy, if I, if I feel excited and aroused, that's actually going to inform my ideas for the day. That's going to change my mind about a lot of things. I'm going to see things from a different perspective. Portals will open. Yeah. And we've forgotten the importance of coming from the bottom up. And that's why I chose somatic psychology and dance therapy is I was like, we're going to start with the body and then we're going to check in later with what our mind thinks about it or what our story is about it. Mm -hmm. Because our story is always dominating. And it's always wrong. I know, know, right? It's like the body, exactly what we find out in somatic experiencing, we'll find out that the body wants to tell a different story than you might think you have coming in. Yeah. You know, so... um, and, you know, again, I want to go back to what happens when we approach sexuality from story. You've mm. called it script. Mm. I call it choreography because I'm a dancer. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens when we approach sexuality, it's like like you said so beautifully, oh, this got my partner off yesterday. It should work again today. So we're coming at it with a script or an idea of, of what arousal is. Or maybe we've seen something on porn. And we're like, oh, wow, that was great. I loved what I saw there. So then you've got this, you know, this idea that you're imposing on your partner. Usually habit for, habit, habitual sex or scripted sex, if you will, is the kind of sex that will shut your partner down over time and create great resentment. This is when couples come into the office and say, I don't know why, I don't know how, but we have this huge sexual block. We have a huge wall. Of, between our, our in, in our sexual relationship. And we have to go back to the beginning and say, okay, well, what was true at the beginning and what happened? And it's usually because something was being done over and over again. Habits shut you down. They, they truncate your awakeness. They truncate your stimulation. They truncate your capacity to be in the moment, to discover, to ask your body, body's your partner's body, what is arousal today? Is yeah. it a little bit over here? Is it a little bit over there? If your game is not attunement, but you've, you know, you're you know, projecting something on your partner, usually you're forcing submission. Mm. And submission can be fun sometimes, but as a habit, it usually shuts you down. Right. You know, jackhammer worked this one time, but... <laughs> Uh, If I get jackhammered every time, you better believe I'm going to be like, uh, this is, this is not how this works. You know, it just, exactly. It's always about being present. Right. And just, you know, I like this today. This feels really great and interesting. Or I don't have any interest in this whatsoever. This is not, you know, and I think it's also, you know, for me, same when I'm dancing, I'm dancing to relieve tension and, and issue within my body. And like all of a sudden I'm doing a lot more like shimmy movements. Right. You know, cause I'm trying to work out a shoulder blade right. and that's the same thing. Right. Totally. I want to work out my shoulder blade while we're fucking or my, this hip could definitely use some work. So, you know, let's do like scissors. Woo. You know? <laughs> 
love it. That's it's absolutely true. Why shouldn't your body be worked? Why shouldn't your body be stretched out? Why shouldn't your body be challenged? Why shouldn't your body try new things? Right. I mean, I, whatever your pleasure is. Right? I, it, it it is absolutely physical therapy. <laughs> you know, it's the best physical therapy you can possibly have. That's right. You know, it really, really is, and that brings up issues that you know women have come in with with you know tight pelvic floors and so forth. You know. Um, you know, again, sexuality that's attuned, sexuality that's listening, mm-hmm. sexuality that's that's cares about the partner, that actually can sexuality can be healing in that case. Sexuality that's habitual, that's a jackhammer every time or whatever, usually aggravates that case. So we go back to the importance of attuning. Mm-hmm. You know, what is my what what is gonna make my partner what is gonna help my partner open? And that dance actually of attunement towards the two creates this maddening spiral of ecstasy. Uh, maddening spiral of ecstasy. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, let's let's put that on the, you know, on a, on a mug. <laughs> no, right? Today's goal, maddening spiral, spiral of ecstasy. I know, right? It's like <laughs> I feel cuz we all love it when somebody listens to us well. We all love it when someone is paying attention to our body well. Right, exactly. They feel seen. They feel seen. They feel tended. Right. Right. And, you know, and similar to you were saying physical therapy as a part of sexuality, you know, emotions come into sexuality. Energy comes into sexuality. If your partner's had a hard day, why not be super tender with them at the beginning, which often ends up in something explosive or dragon-like mm. because then they have a catharsis, mm. you know. But if you can attune to that emotion, it could be a really, really cool way in. If you want to have sex instead of that emotion – then your partner might feel even more shut down after the act. Right. You know. How do you, I mean, we're all walking wounded, right? Sure. Um, there's no, <laughs> certainly in this day and age, right? It's I, part I, of the contract, so that's what I say. Fundamentally, I think the entire globe at this point is PTSD. Like, we are, <laughs> absolutely. we are all just like raw <laughs> nerves. Just like, the Beautiful. crazy is happening. I don't understand what's happening in our society in any way, shape, or form. Thank How... You. You know, and and um, we all have these preconceived notions, right, yeah. of love and of intimacy and all of those yeah. things. I, from this somatic psychology perspective, how would you say to even approach that of, like, uh, you know, a man or a woman having, you know, um, trauma around love, mm-hmm. trauma around um, like the expectation that if they are intimate, then all of a sudden they'll become possessive or they'll become um you know crazy and mm-hmm. you know because i mean we've all had some crazy ex-boyfriend crazy ex-girlfriend and sure. we're all just like oh i don't i don't ever want to do that again don't do it so i'm so terrified of developing intimacy what would you consider to be tools yeah. to even a- approach that to to heal their their work or to work with them to heal itself yeah. well first of all you're bringing up such a, a an important and vastly vast topic Um, I want to also concur that uh, we're living in a chaotic chaotic world. We're living in a uh, climate that's out of balance. So we cannot assume that either one of us are going to be in balance because we are feeling the natural state, Mm -hmm. right? We're a part of the natural state. It's running through us. So then you've got somebody who has identified, as many, many, many awake people do, I'm carrying some trauma. Mm. You know, we all are, right? There are some people 
people say I'm carrying too much trauma to approach sexuality in relationship. It's just too much. It's good. They're afraid that it's going to blow up on somebody. They're afraid that it's too much. We've become a society that's afraid of our emotions. Mm. We've become a society that's afraid of strong sensation. Mm. We've become a society that's afraid of crying or ecstasy mm-hmm. in bed, you know. And this is the invitation, I think, when we talk about awakened sexuality is, can all of that be okay? Can we allow it to arrive, knowing that it's temporary, it's always going to change? Can we touch it with tenderness and awakenedness and, and, and excitement and pleasure and ecstasy, mm. knowing that if all of that is allowed to enter, first of all, it usually... If it's allowed, it's usually not scary. Mm. The fear comes up when there's not safety. So we talk about safety a lot in sexuality as well. Mm-hmm. If there's safety, if you allow all of these states to arrive, they will move. Mm-hmm. That's what the Shakti promises us, is impermanence. Mm. That's what this life is, is impermanence. When we block it, that's when the syndromes arrive. So it's really about embracing your whole partner. recognizing how amazing it is and what an honor it is to be engaging with them sexually. You're engaging their core body and recognizing that anything can arrive in the act and you can face it. You know that it's a part of our humanity. You know it's a part of our collective consciousness. And love them anyway. And love them because of it. Ooh. Ooh. And love them because of it, because this person is dynamic, because they're real. Because they aren't afraid. They're not trying to shelf their shadow. Here she is. Mm-hmm. She's actually, she's, maybe she's dark, but she's also profound. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe her freedom here is her freedom in her hips. Mm-hmm. Maybe her freedom in her emotion is her freedom to just give me my pleasure exactly the way I want it. Mm-hmm. Because, man, when you're shut down, you're also shut down in what you give. Mm-hmm. And when you're shut down, you're shut, shut down in what you're able to receive. I say, let it roll. Mm-hmm. Come to the act awake. Make a contract within yourself. I'm going to embrace the entire humanity of this person, and I'm going to invite them to embrace the entire humanity of me. Mm. You know? It's so powerful. It is. I think, I'm like, woo! <laughs> yes, that's so, it's, because it is, it's terrifying. Yeah. But it's also alive. It's alive, and it opens up the portals mm. in the sexual act for the goddess to arrive. You know, you may see your partner transform into something that is totally supernatural mm-hmm. because they have the safety, mm-hmm. you know. And all of a sudden, the Shakti in the act, all of this is unbelievable mm. because you're not blocking something. Mm. Mm. You're running something and you are left open, alchemized, clean, cleansed, mm-hmm. and transformed. Yeah. And these are the supernatural states in sexuality. Of course, we can't have it every time. And it shouldn't be on the agenda every time. Yeah. But the invitation to open and allow it to be possible when the time is right is an incredible gift to both people. Mm. Well, three people, whoever's invited. <laughs> Twelve people. Whatever orgy you're putting Whatever. together. However it works. Yeah. Um, talk to me about creating that safe space. What are tools, what are ways that people can cr- even open up that safe space in order to welcome a partner Fully and wholly. That's wonderful. You know, um, different people have different needs around safety. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's become more popular right now in the sex culture is making agreements beforehand. Mm-hmm. 
um, agreements towards safety, agreements around what they will or will not do in the act, what their intentions are in the act. Sometimes um, some sort of um, slower contact or eye gaze can establish safety. It's like, I'm actually gonna connect with you, your person and your energy first so you can feel me here before I actually take the liberty of really engaging your body, mm. you know? Because again, I always say, even in a casual act, it's always an honor to engage with someone sexually and we have lost that, um, that capacity to recognize that. Mm. So recognize you're with a person, a whole person, mm-hmm. even if this is a one-time affair. Another way of establishing safety is actually letting that person know, wow, I have some really strong emotions today. You know, that lets them know not only that you are aware of it, mm-hmm. but that you also have the capacity to handle it with them. Doesn't mean that you're going to explode onto them, but that you might emote, which is beautiful. Yeah, you know, in all the many ways. In all the many ways. And I think probably just in this idea of that, I, you know, to say, please be all of the things. You know, right. you seem like you've got a lot of emotions and yeah. I welcome all of them. Please. I'm still here for that. I'm here for the uh, explosive or the quiet right. sexual experience that allows you to feel your feelings. Beautiful. The, the please be all the things is a wonderful, wonderful um, request, I think, and would make me feel safe right away. And I also think you said something that I don't want to let slip by, which is you can be explosive or quiet because the pressure to actually be vocal when you feel quiet is also um, can also shut you down. And I know that sounds like a funny thing to say. No, I think a lot of women, you know, and I mean, maybe it it goes back to porn, right? Where you're just like when you're watching porn and like these actresses are just like, you know, it's their job to be loud and you know, right. And uh, I don't think that really, and, and, and it might also be just the nature of societal women not being loud, not being heard, not being, you know, that they, there's shame around, you know, not being, uh, animalistic or whatnot, um, you know, but uh, that it, it, it's this conflict, right? But it it really, if you think about it and, and maybe I'm reaching here, but it feels very much like that virgin whore complex that we have been reenacting over and over and over again, which is the porn girl is like loud and animalistic and raw and that's, you know, and she's a whore and she's a slut and she's all of those things. And she gets to be that. And then the woman, even though you want her to be this animalistic, like the wife, <laughs> you you want her to be animalistic, but it you're like, oh, but you're the you're the good one, and you're the you're the nice girl that I have at home that is safe and sweet and all of those things because we just don't we don't have the merging that yeah. you can be a nice girl and be animalistic and be wild and you can't be wild and still be a nice girl right how do you think we can there's a fragmentation yeah the, exactly it's always that it's not both it's one or the other how do you think that women can um create the space for them to be able to be both mm. well again it's all about being genuine mm. you know 
And so it's genuine what your body, again, you know, is my body quiet today? Is my body loud today? Conversation about sex can also um, turn some people off. But I have to say, honest talk about sex can actually be a real turn on. Mm -hmm. I've had couples come in and say, I don't, you know, a man say, for example, I don't like to talk about sex. But honestly, when you really honestly talk about sex, it's extremely arousing, Mm -hmm. you know. So let's not, uh, you know, forego the opportunity to actually have straight talk about sex, which can lead to, hey, you know what, like maybe you've had a Christian couple who's, you know, done their sex a certain way for a certain amount of time and they perceive it as... 20 years, missionary. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, really, really, you know. And they've never really talked about the fact that it's become habitual or boring or it's the thing that they don't talk about for whatever reason. You know, and again, it, this is not necessarily true about all Christian couples. It's just an example. You know, talk about it. You know, I'd like more of this. I'd like more of that. I'd like to show you this part of me, mm-hmm. you know. I'd like to show you this part of me. I saw this the other day. By the way, confess to your partner. I saw porn and the woman did this and I'd like to try it. Mm. It really, really turned me on. Watch porn together. Mm-hmm. You know, do cross the line. Go to the other side. If you feel like you've, you're wild all the time and you're exhausted, cool it down. Let it, you know, let it be something slower. Let it be something more sensual. If you feel like you're quiet all the time, Talk about it. Watch porn together. Get new ideas. You know, think about what is going to turn, what's your new turn on right now? Mm. Maybe your girlfriend told you something that really turned you on. You'd like to try it. How do you feel about, you know, because there's the, uh, it's really interesting, this idea that everybody wants to, to think of themselves as a very sexual person. Yeah. And I think a lot of men like to, you know, just like to assume sure. that they're very sexual people. They really <laughs> like it. But I, yeah. I don't think that that's actually true. It's not my experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It, yeah. It's not. I've known guys and they, they talk like, oh, yeah, totally a sexual person. Right. And then, you know, and then I've, I've like slept with them or, you know, the conversation continues on and we're friends. And then it just becomes very clear that that's actually not their thing. It's not a big part of their life after all. It's not really a big thing. So how do you, like, how do you... That's interesting. How do you welcome people to to be comfortable with them not being sexual? Or do you Mm. think that that might be just the result of, you know, the compound pressure of you know, how much intellectualization they put into the sexual experience as opposed to them being physical. Mm-hmm. And, like, do you think if, like, they got into the physical of it, mm-hmm. like, they would be less um, fake sexual as opposed to, <laughs> like, authentically, I'm enjoying this for real this time. You're, you're speaking to something really, um, really important, actually, which is... Um, why, you know, why do people shut down sexually? And then let's look at men specifically. You know, again, the idea that it has to be something um, something exciting all the time mm. can really shut them down. Then you've got men, say, in their 40s or, or their 50s, they're starting to lose their erection, and they're ashamed. So mm. then really, then, then we get into a whole other part of, of, of the shutdown. It's like, oh, no, I'm not, my erection is not as common as it used to be, or sometimes I'm losing my erection or what have you. You know, and there's, this again is another opportunity for growth. It's like, okay, 
if I find sex exhausting, for example, mm-hmm. I don't have the energy I used to have, is it time for a new, another approach? Is it time to just lay next to my partner and touch her slowly and have her touch me slowly and recognize there's another more parasympathetic arousal, mm. which is a whole body arousal that can be had, which allows another kind of orgasm, a more fuller, full body orgasm. The robustness. Yeah, robust and exciting in a lot of different ways. Can I be a courageous enough man to please my woman without an erection? Mm-hmm. You know, women and women have been having satisfying sex for <laughs> a long, long time. Since the beginning. Since <laughs> the beginning. And many women I know, including myself, have had their best sex with women. Why is it? It's certainly not because you always need a dick, you know, to be in the bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, or a live one for that matter, <laughs> you know. It could very well be, you know, that there's a lot of ways to bring a woman's arousal. There's a lot of ways for you to have arousal, whether you have your erection or not. You can still experience pleasure. Mm. So we go back to what, you know, it's like maybe you're frozen or you've been stressed out or you're exhausted because of your job or whatever. Start slowly. I always say start slowly. Mm. Find a new way in. Allow the enjoyment of just touch. In this addicted society, in this chaotic society, touch is absolutely um, one of the most anarchistic things you can do. Totally. Revolutionary things you can do. Stay close to it. Stay close to your animal body. Mm. Yeah. That's so interesting. I For a moment when you were talking about that, I, I flashed to... Uh, uh, homosexuality mm-hmm. and you know right. two older men right how do they I mean because like they have a whole like gay culture of like right. being able to just like their freedom is that everybody knows what they want and every you know that there's right. just this like instantaneousness that comes with like well we're gonna go to the club and there might just be sex in the bathroom or you know and they're just right. They have so much more freedom in having the the instant acknowledgement of attraction. Right. And moving through that, I mean, how would you say for for men who are aging, who are going slower to resolve that? It's still the same, right? Going slow, yeah. being in communication, mm-hmm. and just acknowledging, like, where this is where I'm at. Yes, this is where I'm at. I still love this. I still love your mouth on my cock. I still love, you know, to be touched. I still love to kiss you passionately. Mm. I'm still here. I still love to make love, Mm. you know. So, again, we as a society need to change our idea of what making love and sexual and what the sexual act is. Mm -hmm. It's not always orgasm. It can be or it cannot be. It's not always one kind of arousal. Mm -hmm. It's intimacy. It's pleasure. Mm -hmm. So we want to return to pleasure. And, you know, again, you brought this up so beautifully each time. Taking pressure off the table is huge. Mm -hmm. You know, if it needs to be a certain way, if it needs to look a certain way, if you saw something on porn and you, you, you know, you have the pressure of reenacting that, you're missing what's happening in front of you, Mm -hmm. you know. Watch what, you know, maybe that person wants their hair pulled back suddenly, you know what I mean? And that's exciting. Or maybe they want, you know, they want their clothes taken off slowly, and that's exciting. You know, maybe they want their body touched all over. Maybe they want a massage first. 
which really gets them into the pleasure of their body. That's exciting. There's so many ways to approach. And in this, in this um, sympathetic firing system, this, you know, quick fuck society, this porn addicted society, mm. we now, um, we've got one big road that we've ingrained and mm-hmm. we've got a, lots of territory that we've left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's it. We're just always on that highway instead of like taking the, you know, and just all you see is just other cars and, you know, the, all the grayness. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um, How do do you, what do you find redemptive in porn itself? Because Mm. I mean, it's so pervasive. Right, right. It's so. Yeah constant and aware and you know it's this fire hose and men just so easily fall into the fire hose of it and it just completely shatters you know because it's just like all of a sudden it's just the cum shot right right (laughs) Right. it's just the cum shot that's really all you're really looking for is five minutes and that's it right yeah how do you frame using porn as a tool or just do you even say you know Yeah. Is it just like, can we get you on the 12-step program to get out of porn? (laughs) Right. Is there porn that you found that is Mm. more um, actually conducive to to being, like, teaching what actually happens in a bedroom as opposed to just these women who are, you know... Right, right. Fun dolls or whatever? (laughs) No, right? Who are acting. Yeah. Is, who, who are acting. So um, I, I'm not going to pretend to be uh, uh, an expert on porn yeah. because I'm not big on porn, I'll be honest. Um, I, I, my body practices involve a little bit more of an inward focus, and so, you know, and I like, I like attunement with my partner. Certainly I've seen porn. I think porn, I'll just speak from a personal stand. I'm, I'm not an expert on porn. I think porn can give you new ideas, mm. you know, I don't know if what I'm seeing is always inspiring to me, you know, because if the act doesn't look very genuine, then I'm not inspired and sometimes I might even be disgusted. But it might give me new ideas about how sex can happen. Mm. It might give me new ideas about how sex can happen in more, with more than one person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also might just, uh, and it might be a turn on in some ways. But again, it's usually a dopamine hit to the brain. It's usually not a full body arousal. So we leave the body behind, which is a big problem in sexuality. <laughs> um, and it's also why it's addictive, by the way, is that dopamine hit is like, oh, that felt really good on, on, to, to my brain. But we miss you know, the whole body arousal. What I would say is I think it can give us some good ideas. I think RedTube, um, I've had partners watch RedTube, which is a little bit more of the home uh, grown porn, home video porn, which tends to be between couples that are actually in relationship. And that's been a little bit more enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, well, at least you can see that these people genuinely have a connection. Actually want to fuck each other. Yeah, they have, they have a connection. And they are also just, uh, what, what would I say is, yeah, the pleasure seems more real and mm-hmm. the care towards the partner's pleasure seems genuine. I happen to be pretty disturbed when I don't think the care for the, the other person's pleasure is genuine. Yeah, and there's one person who's disturbing. clearly just like enduring. Yeah, yeah, the endurance, that's, that's what we want to take out of sex, you know. 
And, you know, when sex is enduring, and especially when it's enduring over weeks, months, and years, you get a very angry partner. You get a partner that just can't reapproach sexually anymore. The shutdown happens, and the shutdown happens in many levels of the body and life. So mm. it's not just in the bedroom. Right, because where it, you know, it's, it, if you are not coming from this place. Right. You know, I mean, there's, to me, it's like, yeah, there's a reason why it's the second one. You know right. what I mean? It's <laughs> I like know. your base, like food, sleep, right. all those things. And then the next thing that you need to, like, really be able to be in tune with is your sexual creative force. And then from there, everything else comes in, you know, if you're going up the chakras, like then your sense of identity and what you want to do with the world and, you know, how you relate to, to, uh, you know, relationship and people and your job and your, you know, all your destiny and all that stuff. It's like, and then your, you know, heart and then your communication. It's like, this is such a foundational piece Mm -hmm. to how you live every aspect of your life. And yet, we are in a constant state of it being shut down and ignored and, you know, and just circumvented. Exactly. Exactly. (sighs) Exactly. And, you know, I I just want to say, you know, in the, in the sexual literature, you know, historically, you know, a big part of the sexuality that um, is hard to celebrate when we're dealing with such a meaty society is, Sexuality has been used absolutely for pleasure, absolutely for ecstasy. Our bodies know what we want if we slow down and ask. But it's also a tool, as I, as I, as I pointed to before, to expand consciousness. Mm. You know, this is, you know, when we approach sexuality knowing that we're linking energies in the dance of attunement, in recognizing that I'm, I'm working with someone's energy intimately. They're working with my energy intimately and circulating that energy. You actually become more of a human being. The third being enters. The goddess, the, the spirit and the fire enter. And the consciousness expands. People, people who um, are in the tantra community talk about it as taking a ride through the universe. Mm. You know, um, having a cosmic download. You know, um, being visited by something, an entity that you don't even understand is even with you or in you, mm. you know? So I just want to op- uh, allow the possibility for that in this conversation too, that when we have a whole body arousal and those portals can be opened, um, this is actually seen as one of the greatest awakening tools that we can have. So. In my mind, it's the greatest. The greatest. I, but, you know, and I, <laughs> and I know that sounds just, you know, I mean, am I sex crazy? Kind of. Great. But to me, it, 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 that, that is divine design, mm-hmm. right? Fundamentally, we have been given these organs that yeah. when stimulated, right. not only produce life, right. but produce absolute ecstatic joy. Right. And it boggles my mind mm-hmm. that we have completely completely avoided the acknowledgement of that the only real things that we're here that we should definitely be doing is eating sleeping and fucking right like those are the three things that are your actual you know Mm -hmm. contract to do as a human being on this planet right and everything else is like sure why not 
you can choose it, you can leave it, you can do all of the other things. But that is your, it's a fundamental obligation to self. And I mean, maybe it's not even, you know, because there are people, right. you know, the, the asexual, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I leave room for them. I, sure. I have a hard time fully understanding yeah. because... It's not your experience. It, it's definitely not my experience. And I always want to acknowledge that, you know, of course, you know, other people are going to have other things. I do wonder, though, that if that is like, I mean you know, what of it is absolutely inherent and what is a cultural reaction to, you know, because I would understand the cultural reaction is like, everybody's fucking crazy. It takes on way too much of my energy to try and navigate this world, especially when there is so few actual good tools out there to say, here's how you navigate this world. Right. I mean, if I look to Christianity, if even if I look to Buddhism, right? Like, right. Buddhism doesn't have a role for women, doesn't have, like, this, like, right. like understanding and, and like, acknowledgement of the sensual being. I mean, there's just so few places where you would find it. It, it. Frankly, it's shocking that more people aren't asexual because they're like, I don't have any guidance on this, right? Right. But I don't know if I know, like, I'm curious if we started to move into the place of even, like, the acceptance of deep level intimacy with ourselves, with other people, like, the, the, the connection would that alleviate most people's sense of asexuality, right? Because it's a a nurture as opposed to nature. Well, absolutely. I think, you know, the person who is not engaged sexually, you know, again, we want to always leave room for, you know, the authentic truth that maybe somebody is not excited about it as much as others. So, and that needs to be absolutely allowed in, in, in a genuine conversation. And, you know, I can say, you know, women who are, who are going, for example, through menopause, for example, lose libido before their hormones um, come back into balance, you know, or come into a new balance, which, by the way, is, is um, a great new balance because it's a time where you choose sexuality more than being hormonally driven. Mm, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Like a woman post-menopause, for example, and she's not asexual, but say a woman post-menopause will return to a state of her hormones that's similar to when she was seven years old. Wow. Right? You're taking the progesterone and the estrogen dance off the, off the table in the same way. Huh. And so what happens is, is that person asexual, for example? Not at all. That person will still be turned on, still has huge capacities for arousal with all of these pleasures in life that we've spoken of, but it's usually more of a choice. It's mm. like, I want to engage. Mm. You know, the drive comes from a different place. You know, it comes, so it's a choice, you know. So, and the reason why I want to include this time of life, it happens too. There's andropause, which is a drop in hormones, which can be a drop in, in, your, in your drive. But, again, you can choose to have it as a practice because you love pleasure. You can choose to have it because it nurtures your human being. It brings you awake and alive, mm. you know. The asexual person, it's interesting because you're right, there may be uh, a shutdown there. Or it may be that that is not really what turns that person on, and we need to leave room for that, too. Hmm. Because that can be another way of shaming someone, is what's wrong with you? You don't like sex. But right. actually, it actually, um, I've had people come in and say, you know, once a month is more than enough for me. And how can I work this out with my partner? Hmm. You know, 
and and have that honest conversation. Yeah, I mean, I I totally believe that there's room for it. Yeah, you know, because I, I and I wonder to myself, is it that, um, you know, because I know someone, I a childhood friend, and um, she has never been a particularly super sexual person. Mm-hmm. Even though she kind of, you know, she had a boob job and, you know, she likes being mm. an attractive woman. Mm-hmm. She likes the attention of being an attractive woman. Right. But doesn't actually enjoy the the act of sex of sex itself. Mm-hmm. She's, right. you know, and her, for her, once a month is like, wow. You know, yeah. we're really ramping it, it up. up. Yeah, ramping yeah. it up. And, you know, and I've always, I mean, part of me kind of thought it was just... You know, because she says that it's just an exhausting thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I wonder if it's, like, it's exhausting to her because it's this intellectualism mm. that she has. Like, does she look good? And, you know, mm. like, there's all of these things that are, like, she's got the checklist. She herself is doing mm. a um, uh, choreography. Mm-hmm. or And right. that takes, and there's so much pressure in that that, that mm. they're not actually enjoying the pleasure itself like the pleasure is not something that's accessed it's a obligation and you know another thing and I don't like sweating and you know and then uh, you know just all of those weird other things and so I am like I mean I I try and make room for that and you know and say okay there's definitely people that are intellectualized in their sexuality and of course that's not fun you yeah. know, the, the it's whole, not fun to me. Yeah, <laughs> of course, it's yeah. not fun or enjoyable, and you know, and is that nature or nurture? I mean, you know, right. it's got to be mostly nurture, where you're just like, oh, I have all of these preconceived notions of what I should be as a woman, or all of the shame. Right. Is there any? I mean, I guess I my my constant question is mm-hmm. is how do we help people? Mm-hmm reimagine what sex can be for themselves yeah beautiful you bring up a powerful this is i think this is complex issue Mm. so there's a lot of things that could be going on um i i I think you bring up a nice example you know here's a woman who's got a boob job one thing that occurs to me just in that one example is has she lost sensation in her breasts having Mm. had a boob job you know a lot of times women who have boob jobs and again no judgment at all because, gosh, you know, if that's your dream and you want to act on it, we all have that free will. Right. You know, and, and it sounds like there may be a lot. I know a lot of women who have been really grateful to have done that. Um, however, did you lose sensation in your nipples? Mm. Which is a huge part of producing oxytocin in the act. Mm. Okay, so that, that might, unfortunately, be crossed off the list mm. when you make that choice. You lose, and the arousal around the nipples, for example, is the feminine arousal. You know, that's why it's kind of like this is an important, important part of the recipe. You know, that's where the oxytocin is produced. It, cre- it makes you wet. It, you know, you feel, and actually, because it's closest to the heart, it's also an emotionally stimulating um, center. Mm. So when we lose arousal in our nipples, we lose a lot, um, a big piece of the pie, mm-hmm. you know. Another piece is really, I love what you said, is is she coming to the act thinking that it needs to be a certain way or look a certain way? You know, maybe she has that issue with her body. I don't know. Does it need to look a certain way? In which case, wow, that's a lot. That That's just like, that's like saying, gosh, do I want to get up and do my um, workout routine today? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe I'm exhausted. 
I would look at that woman and ask her, what, what actually brings pleasure to your body? Mm. Is it a good meal? Do you enjoy massage? Do you like your feet rubbed? What would be the way of entering her body sensation through genuine pleasure? Or perhaps if she is overly dominant, like you speak of, she can be submissive and receive. Can she get comfortable receiving? Mm. And um, sometimes for some women, the receptive channel is blocked because she feels like she always has to do something to be hot, to be accepted, to be sexy. Mm. You know, so there's so many ways that you can explore this topic. And I might ask her to do like a body exercise, for example, where she shows me in a body posture what she feels like, what is what her emotional state is like inside of sex. Mm. If she's guarding herself, there's probably a block around her receptivity. Mm. And so you work with her receptivity. Just being able to receive pleasure on any basic level before you go straight for the bam, now are you ready to have, you know, pleasurable sex. You know, <laughs> you know it's like... Are you ready to have pleasurable sex? Get ready. I know, right? You know, like, here comes the pressure again, you know. Um, speaking of. Right. Bondage. Yeah. BDSM. Great. Great. Um, I. Yep. M- my explorations yeah. of it personally, and just as I've, I've witnessed it, it's, you know, it's the power exchange. Right. right? Someone who is. Uh, meek and you know quiet in their everyday life gets this opportunity to discover themselves as being powerful and dominant and all of these things and people who are dominant you know are like I just take 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 this off me I just want to experience right right um how do how would you suggest people explore like the exploration of that in a healthy way you know because we have had a big culture shift. Yep. You know, the 50s shades of gray, the, you know, where it started to become a part of the regular conversation. How would you uh, say people can healthily incorporate um, BDSM into, you know, their their lives, their, their sexuality, and right. still feel confident about it, not shameful about mm. it? Beautiful. Um. Well, actually, I'm not surprised that you went into BDSM after this last comment around dealing with receptivity. Mm-hmm. BDSM, for example, can be very healing to someone's receptivity. Mm-hmm. People want to be fully submissive, to find their turn on, because their masculine or their dominant is too strong in their body. Mm. And it's like only when I allow myself to completely submit can I receive. Mm. Because if I engage, I engage too much. I go from zero to 90 in engagement. And then it's all about you, and it's not about me. Mm-hmm. So the submission in BD, 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 um, BDSM. BDSM, thank you so much. I'm like, where is the acronym in this moment? Um, BDSM can be so healing. Mm-hmm. You know. Similarly, if you're not, if you always are receptive, you're always bottom. It's like, oh God, here I go again. I gotta get on my back, whatever that you know that means for you. I gotta take it. I've gotta take it exactly. Here we go again. You know, almost hold my breath then the the agreement, the respectful agreement, again, the communication, to be dominant, to take over, to do it your way, to be sexy, however you think sexy is for you that day, can be so liberating. Maybe you have a partner who is so dominant that you just need them to hold back for once and see what it is that you can do if you're allowed, if, you, if there's the space for you to come forward and actually take control 
or dominate the app. Mm. You could surprise your partner. Your partner may be scared because he's so used to being dominant or she's so used to being dominant, but may also quietly be admiring your power, may be turned on in a deep place, and recognize there's been a huge, huge fucking piece missing. Mm. You know? And so it I find that the whole BDSM thing to be very healing. For people who have habits that are strongly dominant or strongly receptive and they and the partner is totally cooperating in this, co-creating this, and there's no room to turn the dynamic around. Mm-hmm. And this is common, actually. It's quite common. BDSM is like here to the rescue. I've also had a lot of um, partners who've worked in, you know, um, BDSM homes, you know, where they've taken people. And it's actually seen as not only a sexual but a healing act. These women consider themselves shaman priestess. Mm-hmm. And they recognize that the dominance and the need for healing some issue are actually very, very entwined. Mm-hmm. The issue is brought to the table. The dominance is brought to the table so they're allowed to incorporate the psychological aspects of the power dynamic as well as the pleasure aspects of the ba- ba- you know, the power dynamic, the bonding, all of that. And actually, when the psychology is allowed to be played out, sometimes you can have regression, you can have play therapy type of stuff, you can have the kind of dialogue that can be very unlocking and very healing. Many of my friends in this um, community have said, I often have clients who will end up in tears Mm -hmm. because they've had a full release around a pattern that has been dominating them. Mm -hmm. Interesting. They finally got to be um, the little boy that they always wanted to be. They finally got to be the big daddy that they always wanted to be. They finally got to receive when they always feel pressure to give. Um, now, you speak to, like, the shamanic practices. Uh, and, and I know that there are... Do you, I'd kind of like to... I'd like to break into the world of, um, like, sexual healing priestesses and... and yeah the daikini and that whole role. Mm-hmm. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. T- uh, mm-hmm. Why don't you sort of open up in your experience of that world and, you know, what is healthy boundaries for being a mm-hmm. sexual priestess? How do, you, how do you be a sexual priestess and also be a normal human being? Or, right. you know, do you surrender wholeheartedly to that experience? And, you mm-hmm. know, all mm-hmm. the... Uh, and how do you heal yourself, right? Like, yeah. what is the the way to be healed through... Anyway. So beautiful. Actually, you know, this is... I, I just want to say again, uh, this is not a place of expertise for me, but certainly I've been close to it and inside the conversation. Um, you know, again, it's about what boundaries work for you. Um, I've had a lot of uh, good friends in the community who have done erotic massage. So this is one form of sexual priestessing where um, they're allowing, they're, they're stimulating the person on the table, they're giving full release to the person on the table, they're providing lots of pleasure to the person on the table, maybe they're allowing themselves to be touched, but only so much. Mm-hmm. So again, the clear boundary is very important. It doesn't mean, many of them report to me having a lot of genuine care for their clients. Mm. These are often clients who are not being touched well, or the wife is not providing or the the part the husband is not providing this at home, mm-hmm. 
you know, and they need to be touched this way. They're like you. They're like, this is an important part of my life. This is a basic human need and I'm not getting it met and I'm going crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, something in me is stuck and causing a chaos and a pain in me that I need to resolve, you know. And so the people that I've known that have worked in this role really care, you know, and sometimes they get more tenderness and they get more attunement and they get more particular care in the way that they are able to make very clear requests because the agreements are clear. Mm. You know, you are here for me. Right. There's also sexual priestessing in the way of surrogacy. You know, somebody that might come into the bedroom with a couple and helps to arouse both partners, you know, and they will come in nude, you know, and engage with both of them sexually and help to please both partners and teach one partner to please the other and how to attune to the other and very, very gently ask the kind of questions of like, are you noticing that your partner really likes this? Are Mm. you noticing that your partner really likes that? Can you find her sweet spot in this moment? Not too much, not too little, Mm. you know, and engage the kind of dialogue and um, engage the kind of pleasure making that, that is just missing in inside of the dynamic between those two people and the surrogate then is providing a hugely beneficial catalytic role and oftentimes will allow themselves also to be stimulated again that's up to the surrogate mm-hmm. you know in which case then they also get the pleasure of giving pleasure to a third party and that's exciting too it's like wow I'm you know and she's oftentimes more equipped to speak to what gives her pleasure so she gets to model to the couple, this is what communication in bed can look like. Mm. It doesn't always have to be super intellectual. <laughs> it can be a turn-on to say it like this. It can be a turn-on to say it like that. It can be a turn-on to place your partner's hand on a certain part of your right. body. Show you. Show you, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like this. I like it just like this. Mm. Things that, you know, maybe, you know, off the table now for that partner because they've had so many habits over the years. Mm. Yeah cleaning people's like the the storage area of like all of yes. their all of things right yeah it, and that there's a practicality way to what you're saying too like you know the surrogate the sexual priestess may walk into the bedroom and be like wow this bedroom is just joyless it's joyless or it's too cluttered you know i don't feel space to move around in here or you know maybe i don't need a picture of my mother-in-law by the bed or whatever you know, but I mean, and I know that may sound funny, but all of this comes into play, you know, where it's just kind of like, you know, maybe we don't want pictures of the kids on the wall or, you know, maybe the pictures of the kids can go in the living room, you know? I once had a friend and I just, I was always kind of blown away by this, but, um, her house, her and her husband, she had, um, she had these really beautiful portraits of them together Mm -hmm. and, there was one that was really great where they were like, they were about to kiss and there was just, and it was like right at the front door mm-hmm. and it was just like something is like, wow, that would be great to see that. But then they had this really beautiful painting of them and it was very much a sensual embrace mm. right above the bed. Mm. And I was like, that is, that is great. That is yes. a good reminder yeah. that every day we have to come back to this place. Gorgeous. This is the point. What an erotic, yeah, invitation. Right. I am, you know, I think erotic art in a bedroom. Ugh. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Let's 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 go back to that. It, 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 yes. More eroticism all the time. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, what are some of the um, uh, books or resources that have guided you through this journey? Oh, love it. Um, well, just recently I've um, participated in some of the Kidoshka training. And Kidoshka? It's Kudoshka and it's um, Q U O D O U S H K A. And these are actually involving ceremony and um, and ritual with the erotic act. Mm. And this, for some people, is a really beautiful way to approach as well. There's gift giving, there's eye gazing, there's breathing practices, there's touch. Um, I found it to be a very, very well-held container for people to explore their erotic bodies. Mm. You can go as a single person, which they call the free dancer. You can go as a couple and explore just with your partner and deepen with them inside of this workshop that is, you know, helping to facilitate your awareness in all of these ways. Mm. Um, They type your genitalia in Kudoshka, so you get to find out what kind of cock you have or what kind of pussy you have. And then there's all these ways in which um, you learn about the kind of pleasure your kind of cock or pussy typically likes. Wow. And again, it's not a recipe. Everyone's different. (laughs) But um, it's quite... Like astrology for the genitalia. Astrology (laughs) for the genitalia. Exactly. Um, And I I actually loved, loved that experience. Yeah. And this was classes or you have a book that that, that I'm pointing towards... Let yeah. me, give me, give me. Yeah, I yeah. want to know more. The sexual practices of Kudoshka. Yeah. Mm, okay. And did you, is there a community around this here in Boulder? Or is there a global community? What What's going on with us? There, I think that. Oh, based on ancient Mayan, Olmec, and Toltec teachings passed down through the generations. That's right. Mm. I will be taking a picture of this book cover at the end of this, yes. You bet. And, you know, you may have somebody like myself, I'll, I'll just personalize this for a moment, where I have, you know, many years of experience in ceremony, many years of experience doing Native American ceremony and other ceremonies. And so the combination of the two really works for me. And you don't necessarily have to be a big fan or experienced in ceremony to get a lot out of these workshops as well. Hmm. By the way, the first thing that they do in the morning is dance, which is also an erotic experience. The first half hour of the day is wake up and dance. <laughs> You know, that, that's my kind of ceremony. It is. It's like, okay, let's everybody get our bodies moving. Let's get that freedom and that, that you know, instinct of, of just pleasure in our body through movement. And then let's go on with our day. I loved it. Um, so, yes, and I, and I do love that they, they blend ceremony. These, there is uh, actually an international community around Kidoshka. There were workshops just this past fall. I think in September and December, mm. um, a lot of times the facilitators will actually come in and give the workshop. Not not all of them are local at all, mm-hmm. um, but they travel. Um, I did mine in Kauai, Ooh. which was a very powerful place because the land was so vital and the land was pulsing it's and the land pleasure was land. Oh yeah, you know, and and uh, the facilitators are very very masterful. I think. They've been doing this for a number of decades, actually, mm. and have received direct teachings from um, people who are in the inside of the, the Native American tradition. Mm. So 
you know, they, they're coming in with a ton of experience about self. They're coming in with a ton of spiritual practice and they're coming in with a lot of sexual awareness. And, um, so it's my, my favorite, my favorite exploration right now is with husband with him. And how would you compare this to Tantra? You know, I think there's a, a beautiful overlap. Um, there are breathing practices. There are eye gazing. There is a way of exchanging energy, um, postures, um, body, you know, anatomical awareness stuff. So there's, there's overlap. They weren't using the word Tantra very much, but certainly it wasn't, you know, off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I think w- what we have to realize is Tantra is about intimacy. Mm-hmm. Intimacy with nature, intimacy with your yourself, intimacy with energy, intimacy with life mm-hmm. first. We have this idea that Tantra always has to be um, involving a second per- being. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily so. It's powerful. Tantric sex is powerful when the intimacy with self and the, you know, for both people, for example, is then exchanged with each other. The energy links, and then you are able to build more energy to people more than either one can have alone. The third being. The third being. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) I think we could go on and on, On but I think we're probably at... I'll say one more thing. Okay. I just want to speak to shamanic dolls. Yes. Um, because, and I know that we thought that that might be a little bit more forefront. I just want to speak to shamanic dolls, and especially my um, collaborator, Melinda Carey, I think has been um, such a, an incredible influence on me in, in terms of um, just the liberation of sexual energy. Mm. Um, we always try and um, liberate the archetype. We, we do a lot of archetypal exploration into performance, we bring a depth of character into the performance and oftentimes the sexual energy is on the surface or it's celebrated somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are very committed to liberating this, this energy. I, I just want to say that in our recent you know, workshops and also the movement on the landscape, we've been inviting um, the sexual archetypes or the blueprint, sexual blueprint archetypes, shapeshifter, sexual, sensual, um, to come out into the movement. And so we're actually invoking it with our facilitation. Um, also in our improvisational play, we'll put out a bed and we'll say in this corner, we invite improvisation, for example, with the dream body, the sexual body, or the goddess body. Hmm. So we're directly inviting it, but without an agenda, which is allowing each person to find their expression through these avenues in a genuine and good way. And I've been really liberated and excited to see how that's come through. That is in the company and, you know, and me just sort of randomly experiencing shamanic dolls, you know, wherever we, we like run into each other right? at all of our <laughs> various, all the places, all of the places where it's like, Oh, there, there you are. Um, where do we find shamanic dolls? Just, uh, where's the plug, the website, yeah. the, the next class, the things, all the things shamanic dolls has a website, shamanicdolls.com. If you like us, you'll find out about workshops or the, the next performance that we're doing. We were at Denver Startup Week last, last fall. Um, we were celebrating Day of the Dead. We were just out for the Women's March um, in all red, doing small scores and performative scores. Um, and we encountered some emphatic uh, Christians that were denouncing us. Yeah, they were so crazy. It was wild, but the interface was, was beautiful, right? Because this is what we're facing in this time. 
is um, we're facing polarities and we resolve them actually with actions of unity and actions of love. Yes. You know, so we were really proud of, of, of how that resolved that day. We felt like it was a good outcome. Um, but we're all over the place and we invite you to come join us, you know, for a workshop, for an action. It's going to be a huge year, 2020, of a lot of action. And Shimano Girls will definitely be out there again and again. And we invite you to join us. Oh, it's just wonderful. Just wonderful. Oh, and yeah. what would be the ultimate dream for the Shamanic Dolls? What would be an Everest Ooh. for you guys? <laughs> wow. Um, you know, Shamanic Dolls right now is really getting into the experiential side of the art. Mm-hmm. We always have been about creating experiences. Our audience is often involved, and we're getting more and more into the experiential side of the art. So we are interested in raising money to um, have a big run for a sci-fi show. Oh, a sci-fi show. I know. Where, again, we will erect all of the archetypes, but we'll be taking it to a more expansive cosmic galactic level. We'll be taking all of the interesting issues and conflicts and dilemmas and all of the gorgeous expressions of intelligences and so forth um, to a whole other level. And we like, we're big spectacle and we also like to go in real deep. Mm-hmm. We like the poignant art. We like to taunt you. We like to tease you. And we like to do the sacred ceremony. Mm. All of it. Yeah. We often come out as a triple-headed goddess, which is Hecate. So we, we're, we're raising money right now for the sci-fi show. And that should be um, an experiential experience uh, and hopefully coming out in 2021 or 2022. And if you like us and like to don- would like to donate to us, we always, always love that. And we make you a patron and give you... Lots of um, kudos for that. So. And are you actually on Patreon? I'm not sure right now if we've established um, a Patreon page. But if they go to the website, if they go to the website, then they will figure out how to get you some cash. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, this has been such a pleasure. What a such treat. Such a pleasure. Yay! Thank you so much, Crystal. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's see here. Oh. Uh,